Welcome to Embers and Wind. Are you feeling a calling to serve? What if answering this calling unleashes from deep within you leadership potential? I'm your podcast host, Keith Weedman. Blended three decades experience with knowledge from multiple disciplines to unleash hidden potential in others. In this weekly podcast, my distinguished guests and I will share what fuels us and how we serve. You will feel a gentle wind on the embers of service that glow within you. You will receive kindling for your capabilities and knowledge to build skills. You can utilize this gentle wind to ignite the kindling. You will be guided to do this for people you lead and serve. You can apply what you learn with people you love. Get ready to feel the gentle wind. Today's guest learned how to apply rare knowledge to build uncommon skill to help people solve their own problem in one conversation. He then applied this knowledge to build a highly uncommon leadership skill, the skill to elevate engagement and performance within people he leads through brief interactions. He's invested 20,000 hours acquiring knowledge, building his skill, and developing curriculum to help benevolent leaders who have an employee engagement problem to build their skill, elevating engagement and performance in people they lead through brief interactions. Each time they succeed, they also elevate their own engagement and performance. He provides brief training to share useful knowledge and brief calls to action to apply that knowledge to build this skill. He believes no employee wants to be disengaged from their work. He views lack of employee engagement as an employee problem that benevolent leaders can help their people solve. In this episode, today's guest will share useful knowledge to build your skill. The title of this episode is Building Your Skill giving and receiving constructive feedback to elevate employee engagement and performance. Please join me in welcoming Keith Weedman to this episode. Since I usually ask my guests questions, listen intently to their response, and then ask the question going on in your mind, I'll be doing the same to the best of my ability with myself. I will always ask each question, starting by using my name, Keith, and I'll say Keith, and then I'll ask a question to make it easier for you to understand when I'm asking a question and when Keith is responding to the question I asked. Keith, how did you become interested in building your skill, giving and receiving constructive feedback to elevate employee performance? After I finished graduate school, I knew it was possible to create a welfare system that really worked for everyone. I knew that to do this, the first place I needed to start was with employees. I knew they needed to change how they perceived the people we served. So I implemented mandatory staff development. As I look back now, it seems and feels quite arrogant that I had the best interest of the people we served in mind, as well as the people I led. So I implemented mandatory staff development. 
where I shared the best ideas I'd learned in graduate school so they could, in turn, apply those ideas. Then I got really interested in how effectively they applied the ideas that they learned. When they fell short of applying the ideas in the most effective way possible to change the lives of the people we served, then I would give them constructive feedback and pay attention to how they responded. When I became passionate about receiving constructive feedback was really at a different time, at a later time. I was working with volunteers. And what I discovered in working with volunteers is either they are fulfilled by their work or they're not. And when they weren't fulfilled, I would lose them. And losing volunteers was really painful. I found myself utilizing their feedback to learn from, to find out why they were leaving, and then utilizing their feedback to change my action so that I wouldn't lose volunteers. That's how I began. Keith, can you share a story of a past failure that stands out giving somebody constructive feedback in an ineffective way? What stands out for me is the first time I gave constructive feedback to the second employee I hired. I was 27 years old. It was my first performance review for this employee, and she was a good employee. There was only one piece of constructive feedback that I had for her. Most of her review was very positive. When I got to that one piece of constructive feedback, she first started crying then she started sobbing uncontrollably. I didn't know what to do. I just kind of sat there and waited for her to get over her sobbing. Then she suddenly snapped. She shouted angrily, You are the worst supervisor I've ever had in my entire life. That made an impression on me. I realized then that I had a lot to learn. At the time, I had been doing training, teaching people how to elevate their skill as an active listener and as a crisis intervention volunteer. I was quite effective at doing that, and I thought the skills I had acquired would be readily transferable over to what I was doing in my role as a manager. Keith, there's a listener that wants to know, so where'd you screw up? What'd you do wrong? Where I screwed up? was when she started crying, and I didn't know what to do. I did not understand it then, but what I did wrong was I surrendered being the person with the stronger conviction. The person with the stronger conviction is the person who influences the other person. Had I maintained my stronger conviction, the interview could have turned out much more effective. That's the one thing that I know for certain that I did wrong. What can listeners learn from your failure, Keith? What people can learn is to always be responsible for how people respond to your action. Utilize their response as feedback to build your skill. In her case, her reaction was definitely not what I was looking for. As a leader, I'm always responsible, in my humble opinion, for how people react to my actions. If I don't like the way they respond, then I can change my action. Keith, there's a listener who wants to know why you say you made a mistake 
Why do you say you screwed up? Okay, you caught me. It'd be more accurate for me to say that I failed. I fell short. I find it useful to think of it as a dance. And because I am a leader, I always take the lead and people respond to my action. If you look at it that way, then I can change my step. And by changing my step, she changes hers. Whenever you don't like the response you get from someone, especially reaction, then you can always change your step too. I am definitely not defending her reaction. Her reaction was inappropriate, out of bounds. Had I gotten a reaction like that before in my year of working with her, I might have handled it differently. You may have company policies that provide guidance for you as to how to handle a situation like that. Keith, when and why did you start focusing on employee engagement? Wow, I guess I shouldn't be surprised that you know what's going on in my mind. It was a few months ago that I met with a consultant who works with large companies. She directed me to the Gallup State of the American Workforce Report. When I read that report, what caught my attention was that 67% of the American workforce are not engaged in their work. This got me thinking about my start. How I got my start was I was focused on people who were disengaged. They weren't just disengaged from work. They were actually disengaged from society and from life. They were receiving public assistance, and some have been receiving public assistance for a very long time. Keith, do you have a story you can tell that illustrates the relevance of your work with people who are disengaged from life and society and how this is relevant to employee engagement to corporate leaders? Well, I have older stories. I'm going to take you back to 2012. I was rebuilding my skill to elevate engagement and performance. Well, I'm going to first take you to February 2020. Just before the pandemic hit, I was having breakfast at a quality local restaurant. I noticed the waitress. She had a bounce to her step. She was warm and friendly with us. She was providing us quality customer service. I noticed things like that. I love when people treat me well. And she was treating us really well. Then, as she was clearing our plates, she popped the question. She asked me if I used to work at Volunteers in Medicine. When I told her that I did, she reminded me about how I once helped her. In 2012, she was a patient at Volunteers in Medicine, and I was meeting with her to qualify her for assistance. She was one week away from graduating from a drug addiction program. She was having to stay at the jail. And when she got through that program in one week, she was going to need to find a job right away because she had to pay for a lot of court costs that were going to be essential for her to stay out of jail. She was lamenting at the time, how can I possibly find a job? Who's going to hire me because I've got a felony conviction on my record? I invested a few minutes' time, and I coached her on the 
difference between trying and doing. I explained to her that employers want to give people a second chance. They just need to be convinced that she is sincere and that she wants to change her life. 30 days later, I was having lunch at a quality local restaurant. The waitress took our order and then she walked six steps away from the table. Inexplicably, she suddenly turned around. She walked back to our table. She walked right up to me. She said, I just want to thank you for making a difference in my life. I want you to know I've taught my two adult children the difference between trying and doing. Thank you so much for helping me. She was the patient from Volunteers in Medicine, and she persuaded an employer to give her a chance. Now back to February 2020. Our waitress was that same waitress that once been a patient at Volunteers in Medicine. She didn't just remember me. She treated me like a rock star. I was thrilled to see that she had maintained her positive changes. I felt a sense of self-fulfillment, the way you feel when you know you've done the right thing, taken benevolent action to serve others. And she was clearly an engaged, productive employee. Hey, Keith, I'm picking up something really strong through my sensory acuity. What the hell does this have to do with corporate leaders elevating engagement and performance within people they lead? I learned how to do what I do in the private for-profit sector. My mentor was Bruce Hodes. Bruce is the president of CMI Teamwork in Chicago. His company is a consulting company, and his primary clients include corporate clients. His area of expertise includes strategic planning, strategy execution, and building high-performance teams and high-performance cultures. For three years, I used to travel to Chicago, Illinois on my own time to work with Bruce one time each month, nine or ten months each year, as he worked with his clients' leadership teams. I started off as a fly on the wall, and then he gave me permission to get more and more active. I was actually sharing stories to inspire corporate leaders about how I was applying what I learned to affect change within Indiana's welfare system. Keith, there's a listener who wants to know whether or not Bruce has worked with any large corporate clients. Bruce has worked with a handful of large corporate clients. Most of his clients are small to medium-sized companies. Keith, how do you know when a leader elevates the performance and engagement of someone they lead that they elevate their own too? I'm going to answer your question by sharing a story. I was working with a coach. It was a few years ago. And I taught this coach how to give constructive feedback to someone in a way that elevates engagement and performance. Two weeks later, I received a phone call from him out of the blue. It was in the middle of the morning. 
and he called me to share the text he received from a client of his that he gave constructive feedback to the evening before. What she said in her text message is, I feel I will be able to look back at your constructive feedback as a major turning point in my life. End quote. If you could have heard the passion in his voice, if you could have felt the self-fulfillment that he expressed, then you would have no question that when somebody receives your constructive feedback in the helpful way you intend, that you also elevate your engagement and your performance. I've had this experience myself many times. And I've worked with many leaders who have had similar experiences. Keith, who do you recommend leaders practice on to build this skill? If you practice on the people you lead, they're going to expect you to give them constructive feedback. That's a great place to practice. The other place you can practice is with your peers. To maximize the effect of the constructive feedback that you give, the person receiving must feel your belief in their ability to apply that constructive feedback to elevate their performance. One way that you can achieve this objective is by giving someone sincere positive feedback. The more specific, the more effective. And you must always be sincere. Keith, there is a listener out there that's wondering... Do you have a story about someone who gave constructive feedback to a peer and it worked effectively? I was working with someone who worked for a large corporation. She practiced giving positive feedback and constructive feedback to a peer. She thought that her peer had accepted her constructive feedback very well and was waiting to see whether or not her peer elevated her performance. While waiting, she was pleasantly surprised when her peer reached out for help with a personal problem and stopped by to seek her guidance. You see, when you give somebody constructive feedback in an effective way that elevates performance, an expected benefit is you will strengthen your relationship with them. And if the person has earned sincere positive feedback from you, and if you've given them specific sincere positive feedback, your relationship will be even stronger. Now, if you want to practice with a peer, you must first ask permission. Simply ask them, hey, would you be interested in some helpful feedback? If they respond yes, then you can give them the feedback. And if they say no, then simply keep your lips sealed. Keith, why do you discourage practicing giving constructive feedback to your spouse? Do you want to start World War III? Neither do I. Seriously, though, when you learn something that your spouse hasn't learned, and you apply that knowledge to build your skill by practicing on your spouse, you actually are creating an unequal relationship. You're wise to avoid doing this with your spouse. 
Now, if you and your spouse are in the same training, then that's completely different. It may be okay to practice with one another. I say maybe because you know whose opinion is much more important than mine. Here's a quick story about a couple that was in the same training. One sent me a message and he said, quote, I must tell you that I'm using your can I be helpful strategy. I have so many more people accepting criticism than I'm used to. Just today I used it on my wife. Amazing results. Thank you, Key. It's important you understand that one of the things that I teach is don't use the word constructive. Instead, use the word helpful. When you use the word helpful, there's no question that your intent is to be helpful. Many people have had past negative experiences with someone who gave them constructive feedback in an ineffective way. And that's why you're wise to avoid use of the word constructive. Keith, how does a leader build their skill receiving constructive feedback to elevate engagement and performance? When you listen to constructive feedback from a direct report, then they know you value their opinion, that you care about what they think. You can learn to step into their shoes and see how they perceive themselves, their situation, and you. You can also see how they perceive something you said, what they understood from what you said, or what you wrote. They will also pay attention to your action, what you did and what you did not do. So much dysfunction happens because of miscommunication. The more clearly you can understand how they perceive themselves, their situation, and you, and what you said or wrote, or from the meaning they attributed to your action, the more engaged they will be and the more effectively you can perform as a team. What about criticism, Keith? I've heard you say many times there is value in any criticism a leader receives. What do you mean by this? A leader is always accountable for the results, for what happens in response to the words they say and the actions they take. The story that I told you earlier that happened when I was 27 years old. I consider her crying, then sobbing, and then lashing out to me as criticism. It is useful for me to utilize that as feedback and look for value. What can I learn from what happened? I know that I brought less than the best out of her, less than what I wanted to bring. What could I do different to build my skill, giving people constructive feedback to elevate performance? I was responsible. I was accountable for how she responded to my actions. That doesn't mean she's not accountable, too. You could say that a leader is accountable at any given moment to bring the best out of the people that they lead. I clearly did not bring the best out of her. And I clearly was accountable because she was somebody that I led. Keith, how can someone stay connected with you 
the best way to stay connected with me, send me an email at Keith at Level 3 by Design. It'll be in the show notes. My LinkedIn profile will be in the show notes too. Just reach out. Let's connect. I'm flexible. Whatever works best for you. Keith, how can somebody learn more from you? If you subscribe to Embers and Wind, I'll be back many times as a guest. Each time I come back, my intention will always be to add more value. That's one way you can learn from me. Another way is I send a weekly friendly email nudge to a group of leaders. In these nudges, I frequently share stories. These stories are intended to inspire you, to bring the best out of people you lead, and unleash more of that leadership potential that lives within you. Just send me an email because I'll need your email address. It'll be an honor for me to add your name to this group. If your people struggle because their work is not fulfilling, if your employee turnover rate is too high, if you lose sleep worrying about how to elevate the engagement and performance of people you lead, if you are a benevolent leader, if you want to be the first of many internal champions and your intention is to impact your corporate culture, then send me an email or a LinkedIn message and let's schedule a time for a Zoom chat. My commitment is to exceed your expectations with the value that I bring. Let's see if we can exceed your expectations right here, right now. It is only through taking action that you can elevate engagement and performance in people you lead. Here's a daily call to action I invite you to accept for the next five working days. Give someone you lead sincere positive feedback each workday. If you see an opportunity to give someone you lead helpful feedback, then seize it. Do you accept this daily call to action? Awesome. I look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of Embers and Wind. If you enjoyed today, please come back next week. Please also share this episode with a friend. If you've not already subscribed to Embers and Wind, rated this podcast, and written a review, please do this now. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can reach me directly at embersandwind.net. Thank you again for joining us.